Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here is your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Wonderful Show. Happy to be back this week. Thank you all who tuned in to the YouTube network, Thrill Me Podcast Network on YouTube over the weekend, the halfway to Halloween party. Zach Brooke, our new champion, Joey Leone, hanging out at Smart Mouth in Virginia Beach for the halfway to Halloween party. So thank you all for tuning into that. Thank you all for also watching the Thrill Me Federation games. Uh, good matches. Can't wait to see what comes next. And you can always stay up to date with all of that if you haven't yet, following the YouTube page, Throw Me Podcast Network. And you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, Throw Me Podcast Network as well. So go give us a follow and stay up to date with everything going on. And also make sure if you are listening to this show and you like it, hit the subscribe button and comment and share with your friends. So with all that being said, it is in the title for this week, and if you are here, then you have seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and you want to hear some spoiler conversation, and we're going to get into the spoilers here in just a minute, and again, this is a warning right now that I am going to spoil parts of this film, and this isn't really a review. I shared my review with Zach and Brooke on the last episode of Slasher Report. We we just really did a special on Guardians of the Galaxy, so you can go find that, again, on our YouTube page, and you can also listen to that episode right now on all the streaming platforms as well. But I just want to share some conversation about this film, because I have been nonstop thinking about this movie since I've seen it, and I I, I said that this is a film that I loved. It is... Ranking it in tiers, I gave it a 10 out of 5 in tiers because, let's be real, this is a tearjerker of a movie and that's why it hasn't been able to shake me since seeing it opening night a week ago. And that's what art is, right? Like, art is supposed to be moving. Art is supposed to make us feel. And what we got with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I think, uh, once again, was just a really fabulous wrap-up and conclusion of the trilogy that James Gunn told us. I made the comparison in the non-spoiler conversation of this is kind of like the Star Wars trilogy, the original one, where when you look at the first film, it's this space opera of fun and brightness and joy and laughter and an unlikely team coming together and saving the day. And then the second one, that unlikely team still together, but things start getting a little shaky for them and where we see those characters end up and and what happens to them. And then you kind of have to count the three other, four other separate occasions as well where we see the Guardians in the Avengers films. We then get the holiday special, and you can't forget the Thor Love and Thunder parts as well. That all kind of brings us to where we are in this film, which is really shaky grounds. Peter's in a bad place. Rocket is pretty much the leader of the team, which he kind of always has been, and that's a lot of what this film is about, which is why it's such a harrowing, dark, scary, James Gunn horror film in the MCU. You know, we talk a lot about, hey, Sam Raimi came in and did a Evil Dead film with Doctor Strange. Yeah, he did, but it went spooky, but 
to me, never hit the level of what this film did. And this film brought out terror. It, it made me feel like I was watching not just a horror movie, but but a, an 80s style. We're selling you a kid's film, but welcome to Poltergeist. This intense, suspenseful, edge of your seat. Every character that you've been introduced to can be expendable and bad things can happen situation and that's what happens with guardians 3 is it's just such a harrowing experience from the start to the finish uh i gotta say as well uh outside of just being dark and scary it is very on brand for marvel i mean we've we've talked at extensively about the animal cruelty in this film and and getting a lot of that and that's a lot of what stays with you and really impacts you as an audience member and man was that rough to watch as an animal lover as someone that has two dogs uh as well has always been a dog lover you know the cosmo stuff really messed with me a little bit uh i after the movie i went home and i told the dogs you know you're good girls you're always you're the bestest dogs like i gave them nothing but praise and just because that film left an impact as an animal lover, I uh, had to go home and give him a hug as well. Like it's 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 rough if you care for animals and all of that. And I've, you know, having the two dogs now, it took me forever to get to, to be open to that because I remember the loss of my dog growing up in in high school, my senior year. I remember that loss, and that loss stays with you. So this film did a number on me with that and interestingly enough actually PETA gave it an award for being the most PETA friendly film because it raises awareness on animal cruelty and the fact that while we can we shouldn't be experimenting on animals so a lot of just terror with that but overall it is still a great film and to me concludes the journey of all of these characters in a way that uh, James Dunn did a, did a great job of subverting our expectations. You know, we expect that with a finale these days that characters are going to die. And, we, you know, we, we've we been conditioned as audiences to believe that, hey, this is the finale. We know that certain people have said they're not coming back. So therefore, Drax must die. And that's not the case. And, and James Gunn is able to subvert our expectations. Yes, Rocket is put on the shelf for like two thirds of the film. But with our expectations, he subverts it by having that moment where Drax gets shot with the big gun and then gets shot again. And we're like, oh, God, is this how the end is going to be for Drax? Like, what's happening here? And it ends up not being the case. But his arc ends with him not being the doofus or Drax the destroyer. I mean, he's still a bit of a goof, but... We find out that his journey wasn't that of Drax the Destroyer. It was Drax the Dad. And that's where we're left with him. Nebula's growth through all the films of where she's at now is just... I I, I don't need to go much into that. You start as essentially a villain and now you're one of the leaders of the Guardians. Like, okay. Uh, Rocket. James Gunn has said the story has always been about Rocket. He sees himself the most as Rocket and... Yeah, while put on the shelf for two-thirds of the film, there is still that throughout the course of the movie. We're not sure if Rocket's actually going to make it, uh, especially when Rocket does come back. There was a lot there towards the end where I was like, oh, God, just get the raccoons and go. Stop looking. Stop realizing you're a raccoon. Don't, you know, 
I know it got us to the point of I'm Rocket Raccoon, and that was great. That was cool. That was, you know, that was the cheerworthy moment in a film where we weren't getting a lot of those cheerworthy moments. We were getting a lot of downer notes and a lot of, oh gosh, where is this going? Uh, Quill's journey, I love that. I have seen some negativity towards that, but that's not one of the things that I thought was bad about this film i i actually really did like his journey and him not you know he was still the lead but he it wasn't his film the way the other two were you know you can look at the first guardians film and it's it's about a child's loss of his mother that loss of abandonment and and all of them coming together as a family and him learning to bring to to take in this family and be and try and be a leader of it. Uh, also, the fact that this is a frat boy character. So if, if you look at the first film, he's the the Jackson Pollock, all of that. But then he finds love, trying to grow up. It really doesn't grow up. And then Guardians Two is a film more about uh, realizing that everything that you remember your mother for actually was destroyed by your father, and that legacy has been destroyed. That could have been because of your father and but then also learning that while his biological father Kurt Russell sucked he had Yondu but he loses Yondu so now it's the loss of the surrogate father in this and you insert the Avengers films into that as well if you include that Peter suffers the loss of the woman that was helping him grow up from being the frat boy into becoming more of a man. And now that's three losses for Peter. That's, you know, so by the time we get to this film, him being down on his and, and an alcoholic and depressed and all of that, and just down and out makes sense. It makes total sense. He's lost everything. He lost his mother as a kid, abducted into space, lost, found out his real father sucks, his surrogate father dies, his love dies, and the version of her that's here now has no recollection of anything because it's not that version. It's too early. So I, I like where his story goes in this, and I like that him and Gamora have the back and forths. Uh, you know, her being a Ravager was a little where I was like, okay, I guess, you know, this is how we get her to be involved I'll accept it but I liked their back and forth I liked where that was I liked the fact that he needed because he did he needed that version of Gamora to fully grow up and realize that yes he has this family and and almost losing Rocket sent him on a journey as well who he called multiple times his best friend to which Drax and second best friend uh you know his, that was his journey in this film and he fully grows up and it makes sense for him to go back home at the end and come back to earth and 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 search to see if his grandfather is still around and make that connection and actually take the full grown-up turn now so we watch this frat boy become a grown man that takes a little bit of responsibility and comes back he hands the guardians off to rocket you know and rocket is the guy leading the way so it just I, I really I didn't think that there was an issue with that. I saw some people criticizing kind of that aspect of the film, but I think it I think it works and I think it plays great. And to me, it 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 kind of put him on the back burner 
in a sense, to tell a broader story uh, because this film does give every one of these characters a moment. And that was his in this film. His was, you know, the Guardians are going out and they're going to kill to protect Rocket. But his actual closure in that story comes from him having to deal with all of that loss and with the new Gamora that doesn't know anything and doesn't want a part of him to the point where she does she's not even calling him the right name, Quinn instead of Quill. You know, but by the end of the film, that Gamora also grows up in a way. Uh, I'm totally cool with Zoe Zeldana being done and a recasting of the character at some point, which probably will happen. But again, I really do like where they left all of these characters and, and not killing them makes me happier, <laughs> despite the film being a total two and a half hour cry fest. Uh, the needle drops. I saw a little bit of criticism on the Zune aspect of things as well because uh, there there was an article out there. I won't say where it was, but it, it just got me thinking of it where, it, you know, the Zune and the music used for this film, I think, was great. I don't think it was any less than any of the other Guardians films. And the argument against it in this article was that, well, in volume one, it was Peter's music from his mother and the things that you know all connected him back to his mom and the songs were hand selected to mean something and then in volume two it was another gift of music from his mom and the music meant something as well you know with spirit in the sky and stuff like that where you know when i'm gone I'm be a spirit in the sky and you know things are going to get better and, and all of that stuff and it was very specific on that but they were criticizing the fact that the music in this one doesn't have as much of an impact because it comes from a Zune and there's no connection to the mother. That's not how I took it. The Zune to me was, it's explained in the film when, you know, it's, hey, Earth has the best music. Yeah, they don't really go into the fact of why Earth is the place where the best music comes from throughout the entire universe and galaxy. But hey, okay, cool. We've got something to provide to the galaxy, Earth, which name means dirt cool, we provided the best music and entertainment of that form of arts to the galaxy. All right. Might also explain why in Thor, they're constantly getting Matt Damon to perform (laughs) Melissa McCarthy and her husband, Uh, you know, like, because we have the best arts in the galaxy. But it does, you know, that that's neither here nor there. But the Zune works to me because in this film, it's not about Peter anymore. And it's not about that story. That story with his mother and his father has been told. We're done with that. We've moved beyond that. And now we're into Rocket. And Rocket knows Earth for having the best music. And Rocket has loved the music from the very beginning. He has loved it. Always loved it. I mean, I remember the second one where he's he's playing the music as well. He's listening to the music. That's, you know, he's and and we had that mo- that flashback moment where he's listening to music as well as as young Rocket. So, yeah, I I think the Zune this time around, yes, the music is maybe a little more on point, I guess, you know, with the needle drops, but it's still done in a way that makes sense to the story because it's Rocket's story. And that's why when we get to the ending and Rocket picks Dog Days Are Over, it's a tearjerker because it plays the same way that the music has played in the other films. So I don't think the Zune thing is as negative as that article tried to make it out to be or that it doesn't play to the movie the way the other two films the music does because I think it does play to the movie. 
I think it very well plays to the film. And that's why we were brought to tears, well, happy tears during the final dance sequence of our guardians and, and seeing where they all are at this point and how happy they all are. That's the other thing too. This film ends with all of them happy, which, you know, to circle it back to the return of the Jedi, that film ended with all of them happy with, with positivity. We know this new form of guardians is going to go out there and keep protecting the universe. We know that Drax is going to be taking care of the kids and be the father that he was always meant to be. We know Nebula is going to be there as well as a protector. We know that Peter is reconnecting with his blood family, but also has that family in space that he can go back to at any point in time. And, you know, we do know as well that uh, out of all of them, Chris Pratt is the one returning. I would imagine that Bradley Cooper will come back as Rocket and Vin Diesel could as well, but it appears that the only one for certain is Chris Pratt, and that comes with the post-post-credit scene, not the mid-credit, but the post-credit scene where we see him talking with his grandpa, and then it says that the legendary Star-Lord will return. But the mid-credit scene as well, you know, does establish the new team of Guardians, which it does include Adam Warlock, who I have not spoken about yet, but Adam Warlock uh, honestly might be the one thing of this movie that I give a little bit of a knock to, and it's simply because he's introduced... Very early on, I mean, his his it feels like his job in the film is just kind of to progress the story to then make him a guardian. And again, this is like a very little knock because think about him. Warlock shows up. He mortally wounds Rocket. That sends the guardians on their journey to find the override for the kill switch on Rocket to save his life. And then Adam Warlock is just kind of there conveniently to cause problems for the guardians you know shows up in that beginning and and creates the issue that sends them on their journey and then it's just kind of sprinkled throughout the film as either this comic relief portion or oh here he is causing more damage and and kind of stalling things and then gets his moment at the end when we get another form of james gunn body horror in this film which this film is a body horror movie you can't convince me otherwise you you not only do we have the animal cruelty stuff with that body horror uh with with rocket but then when you see teeths and and layla and and floor like these are like creatures that are not just creatures that have been biologically they're creatures with like robotic arms who are on wheelchairs whose mouth is covered with metal like this, this is some creepy stuff but then you get that moment with where you're like oh god chris pratt really like he said he wasn't done but no nah, i guess this dude is done and he wants to go out in like a blaze of goriness when his face bloats in space and warlock saves him and it's just kind of set up through the fact of, oh, Warlock was there at the end causing problems and they saved him. And why'd you save me? Everybody deserves a second chance. And here it is. And now he's a guardian. So it's just one of those things where I'm like, I wish it was fleshed out a little bit more. But I'm not knocking the film for this. I'm not going to sit here and go, well, this is just uh, the worst thing ever. It happens. It's a stuffed film. And you've got to get to the to all the Guardians and all of their stories because that's what we're really telling here is those stories. Warlock is a nice addition. Wish it was a little bit more. 
but it is what it is. I'm excited to see where he goes in the future. I love I loved Will Poulter in every moment that he was on the screen. I just wish it was fleshed out more and a little bit and a little bit longer. Uh, you know, but again, this is a two hour, two and a half hour film to begin with. It's the longest Guardians movie. You, you, there are some things that are going to end up getting cut. I'm sure there's a version out there where Warlock gets a little bit more to do, but really that's the only negative. And I guess, I guess if I'm going to give it another knock is that the film does the typical every comic book movie. And I have seen the comparison to the, it's got the man of steel issue. And I agree. And that's, we just annihilated an entire nation, an entire planet and no mention of it. Just a, well, that happened. Moving on. Blah, 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 blah. Like, there was a whole planet just wiped out. Uh, also, props to High Evolutionary might be one of the worst villains we've gotten. And by worst villains, I mean that in the best of ways of, that's a villain, man. That is a villain for sure. That is someone that I wanted to see the Guardians kill, which enters a whole other moral gray area of when is killing okay especially in our comic book movies when does that become a thing uh, and and to be to be fair while we don't see the high evolutionary get killed by the guardians and that's part of rocket's growth of drax saying blast him shoot him uh which another body horror moment when gamora pulls his face off and we see what rocket had done and and how deformed the high evolutionary is like that is a that reminded me of like Indiana Jones with the melting faces type of level of trauma where I was just like, holy crap. Uh, and, and I love that as a horror guy. I love that. But if I'm taking my kid to see that and I'm not prepared and I'm thinking I'm getting a Guardians film and I end up getting James Gunn body horror Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Give us your face, your legs, your limbs and all of that. I'm just kind of sitting there going, oh no, how do I explain this one to the wifey? But just a, a great villain in the film. And yeah, I guess one of the best ways to make the audience hate that character is have them do despicable, horrible things to the most adorable, loving creatures you can see. Because yeah, I was rooting for that moral gray area of, I hope they kill him. And Rocket not killing him, great move because I'm a guardian of the galaxy. That's why. And the growth from him, somebody who went from vengeance from the beginning to stealing body parts and limbs from others and all of that to becoming this, nah, not going to kill him. I'm done with my vengeance tour. I know what I am. I'm a guardian of the galaxy and I'm Rocket Raccoon. Like, that's who I am. I am a raccoon. And I'm from Earth. Which makes me hope that at some point he does come back to Earth. Uh, that would be really cool to see him come back to get star Lord and have that interaction. Cause really like, you know, he was on earth for the fight at Wakanda, but he wasn't, didn't really have any interactions with like human humans. And I would love to see that uh, rocket interacting with humans on earth as a raccoon from earth. But there you go. That's my thoughts on the film. I, I just, there was a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about cause this is just a film with so much to unpack. I, I, I love this movie. This is, you know, you hope that like the Guardians of the Galaxy, I said it on the non-spoiler. I have been a huge fan of this franchise from the beginning. I have really connected with the Guardians in a way that, you know, 
some people have connected with Captain America, Iron Man, Black Panther, and, and I get it, but there was something about the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I know it has a little bit of the James Gunn effect because I've been a huge screamer of how great James Gunn is since Dawn of the Dead and Slither uh, as the writer of Dawn of the Dead and as writer-director of Slither. Like, I've been screaming James Gunn's name for a while, so back when he was cast for the first film uh, and he was hired as the director, I was super stoked. I I love that he got to see this out. But yeah, I really connected with the Guardians and I'm so happy that every one of these films knocked it out of the park and I'm so happy at the way that this concluded I am okay if certain actors don't come back and when they don't come back like Zoe and Batista probably not but I do hope that there's a place for Karen Gillan and Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel and 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 Mantis's return Palm and you know again we know Chris Pratt's coming back, but I hope that there's a place for the other ones. I I do hope that there's even a place to bring back Drax as Batista or with Batista playing that character. But he has said it won't be for a cash grab and I'm totally, you know, makes sense. Uh, He feels he's done enough and it's got to be something that makes sense. And yeah, I would definitely be excited for that. Uh, but yeah, I hope that there's a place for the other ones, especially Karen Gillan. I would love to see more Nebula at this point. Like I, I, there's a whole, there's a whole Guardians film there with Rocket, Nebula, Kraglin, which didn't even get to talk about Kraglin, who had just that bit with Cosmo. I mentioned Cosmo, but that bit with Cosmo really got me, really hit me. But, uh, Kraglin had a cool, finally got his cool moment, which led to a great, uh, Roker cameo as well as Yondu to kind of be like come on man you can do this you can use my arrow you got this so cool to get a Roker cameo I'm always down for the villain of Mall Rats to have a moment in a James Gunn film but all right there you go that's my thoughts on the movie what did you think hit me up on Twitter wonderful underscore radio or comment on uh, all of our throw me podcast network things uh But yeah, you can hit me up on Twitter with your spoiler thoughts as well or in the comment section. Have a great one, everybody. Peace and love.